Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, and Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. My first guest this week will be Dan Johnston. We are talking about careers in the outdoors. Young people, old people, anybody wanting to get into this industry, keep your ears open, listen to how to get into this industry. Next, I'll be talking to Dave Van Dorn, volunteer for takeavet.org. He's gonna give us an update on what's going on in their world. And then I'm gonna talk to Christian Greco. He is the Major League Fishing Toyota Northern Division Series winner on the Potomac River. Listen to how he won over $40,000 and the weather complications that were uh, happening at that time. But first, I would like to welcome back Dan Johnston. This segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. How you doing today, Dan? Doing fantastic, Dave. Thanks for asking. Oh, no problem. So once a year or so, we talk about careers in the outdoor industry and, um, It's a good topic because we both run across quite a few people that want to know how you get into it. And uh, recently in my retail environment uh, the last week, and I had two people ask me, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And and I I took a look and we hadn't done this since episode 330. So that's 50 weeks ago. It's a good, good time to do it again. It is. and It's a good topic. You know, I get asked that too. Ironically, I just got asked this um, week and a half ago when I was in Birmingham, Alabama at the at the big crappie expo down there, I had a couple guys come up and say, how did you get into this? And, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a, sometimes it can be a very easy question to answer, but other times it's, you know, it's multi multifaceted, you know? And, and I think that the best answer that I've always given is a couple things. Number one, follow your passion. If you absolutely love to do something and for you and I, Dave, it's fishing and hunting, you know, it, it, it's, that ranks right behind hanging with my family and my son and my, my, my family and is number one and my yep. faith, but right, right behind that, <laughs> that's pretty tall. That's pretty big statement is fishing and hunting is just, you cut me. I bleed it. I've always been around it. It's been a passion of mine ever since I was a little, little boy. And, and so I was always around it either in bass clubs or working in sporting goods or going to pheasants forever banquets when I was little and, you know, being around it helped because you get to know people and then try to find what your strengths are. You know, if there is, is it sales, is it marketing, is it product development, it, whatever. And uh, anytime you can work, what you love is a really good thing. And it becomes contagious in a good way when you surround yourself with people and get involved with people in the industry, I think is the biggest thing. And then don't be afraid to ask, you know, if you want to do this, it's a lot of work. I think people, some people don't understand. They think you and I just fish all the time, which is <laughs> total, total fake news. You're right. But the, the, the point is, don't be afraid to ask. Say, you know, just get involved. And even if it's volunteering or something, get it, you know. And, you know, Dave, we've said on multiple podcasts, whether it's fishing or, or anything we've talked about, sometimes we can make our own luck. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it's good that you bring up the fishing and the hunting because, uh, for instance, in a rep group environment, many of these companies, they don't just do fishing. They'll do fishing and then they do a fall goods line. They'll do hunting, uh, whether that's archery or whether that's uh, optics or something that they're doing in there. And then they have a, everybody gets their little window of, of ice fishing. So it, the more well-rounded you are in the outdoor industry, the better. But the other thing is, is also that... Uh, uh, it doesn't have to be in sales or products. You can be a content creator. You can write about it, podcast about it, YouTube about it. There's a lot of opportunities out there f- uh, for coverage of it a different way, isn't there? Well, that's an opportunity that's arisen way, you know, but long since you and I got into this. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. even on the radar back then. But, you know, putting a GoPro in your boat, shooting stuff, making it really cool lifestyle and communicating with manufacturers sure is is a way to do it. And, you know, one of, one of the biggest things I've told people for years, and this certainly played out in my life, is I would strongly suggest emphatically, especially for the young people out there, is go work at retail. Go work for a local sporting goods store, like if you're in college or high school, because you learn so much. Number one, you meet the reps. You learn how to merchandise. You learn the product. You understand margins and inventory turns and how to display things and how to speak to speak. And then you immerse yourself with all these customers coming in, some of which are very easy to deal with and even more importantly, the ones that aren't. You understand how to work through adversity, how to work long hours, how to miss a lunch once in a while because you're too busy and you cut your teeth. It kind of reminds me of when I had to detassel corn when I shall probably get in trouble for saying this, but I actually didn't tell the truth about my age and I detasseled corn when I was too young and it was the hardest job I've ever had. But looking back on it, it's one of the best things I ever did. And I think when you get into you. Sporting goods retail is a phenomenal avenue to get get into this industry. And many people that are in high-level positions in this industry right now started right there. Absolutely. And and here's another one I'm going to throw out there. The the kids that I've had work for me, high school and collegiate students uh, over the years, which has been around 80 of them, I always like to see where they they, uh, end up in the world. But one of the employees that I had here decided – he wanted to go a little different route in the outdoors, and he's finishing up at Stevens Point uh, Game Warden training. He's in the final stages of interviewing, and uh, w- what a uh, neat opportunity that came about. And he tells me this, that it came about because he worked at my store and got to see uh, different avenues of it with the deer processing, with the taxidermy, with the fishing, the hunting, all the outdoors, the guiding, and decided to do the law enforcement as a game warden. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's another avenue that's at least in the space of what we're talking about, you know, and then then we can flip this completely upside down. There could people that have, there's people that I know very well, some of which work for us, that have zero experience in the outdoor industry, but got involved with manufacturing or product development in another space, but they understand the how to dot your I's and cross your T's in that space so well that all they have to do now is learn the fishing side. So there's a whole, I I don't want to come across and say, boy, if you don't dive into hunting and fishing and go to all these banquets and work for a sporting goods store, you have no chance. That's just not true. That's just one way to do it. And that's the way I normally propose to people, especially that love to fish, that are either young or looking at changing careers to just immerse yourself in it and surround yourself with it. But you don't have to do that. You can get really good at a space 
that's relevant executionally to the sporting goods space and product development. Let's say you were a product development for wheel bearings on cars, whatever it is, but you're really, really, really good at it on supply chain and all that. Then you can come over to the fishing space, understand it, learn it, but you already know how to do the, the, the P's and Q's behind it, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I have a, another student that worked for me. He's on his fourth year of an engineering school down at University of Illinois. He wants so bad. He's been interning with people on the road construction and on different types of engineering. But he he uh, wants so bad to get with a company to help design these reels and and do the engineering part of it or hunting because he's into both fishing and hunting. But there there's so many things done in this industry. The advertising of it. They there there's so many things that you can do and like you said the marketing and and you don't have to be totally into it to where you just do that and and as a matter of fact you and i might um tell people that if you do this business you're not going to get to do the sport the fishing and hunting as often as you'd like but the quality of those opportunities go way up when you're in the industry well there's so many blessings with that come with it from the people that i I mean i get to talk to dave kranz every week and people that don't scoff at that. I mean, you and I are great friends. We learn from each other. It's been a total blessing to get to know you. This podcast is only a side note to that. And so there's there's many more. There's the, the, the best relationships I have built in my life have come through hunting and fishing, either competitively fishing against people or through fly casting instruction or meeting people at seminars or in the work that I do now as national sales manager for St. Croix and Seven Reels. I meet people that have a common interest. And I tell you, they're some of the best people on the planet. People that hunt and fish are gold to me. They know how to work hard. They know how to treat their family right. They're honest people. It's just, it's such a great, that's the biggest reward for me is the people and the relationships that I build. And that could not have happened if I wouldn't have got into the fishing industry. 100%. I believe those same people also appreciate what's given to us in this, uh, on this planet. And we, we, uh, we don't abuse it. We, we use it and we respect it and we try to leave it better than we found it. And, uh, I, I agree a hundred percent though. I, I was thinking as you were saying that the, who are the people that I like the best in this world? And like you said, other than our family, but the family for both of us comes first and, and face the, the people around us that surrounded us in this industry are very special to us. And, and they're not only special to us. I think this whole group is special to each other because it is a small family environment. So if you want to get involved in a industry that appears to be much larger than it is, it is in dollars, but in the number of people that are participating, it, it's not that big, especially at certain levels of it. There's no question. Yeah, I, I would just I would just leave you with this. I mean, it's a it's a great great ride. I have no regrets, and getting the people that I've met, the experiences I've I've had, the places I've been able to go. You know, from Mexico bass fishing to all over the place have just been as a, a direct result of immersing myself into the people and the industry itself. And I wouldn't if I had to hit pause, rewind, and do it all over again. I would do the exact same thing. And that's a great great statement to make because there's a lot lot of people that can't say that a lot of people would say man if i had to do all over again i'd have done this or i'd have done that no way i mean i got to shoot a tv show with al linder for god's sake yeah. i mean that that's a childhood dream and just getting to know so many and that's just one name so many people out there i never would have been in a position to do anything with on a professional level and become friends with if i wouldn't have done this Yep, absolutely. I agree. And I always appreciate your insight and your information every week. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, Dan. 
Hey, Dave, thanks so much. No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. Daiwa MagForce Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MagForce Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MagForce Z incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on many times. He has a passion for the outdoors. He is Dave Van Dorn. He is a volunteer with Take a Vet and Operation Healing Heroes. Always like to get an update from him. Welcome back to the program, Dave. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Always like to hear what's going on. And, you know, uh, when you first were started volunteering for Take a Vet, there weren't this many events, but now you guys are down in Florida starting uh, in the first of the year, and you're going to... We're in October, and you have are having the last event. There's not a lot of downtime anymore, is there? No. Uh, like uh, I think I've said this a few times, I, I, uh, I'm I on the water taking that fishing over 160 days a year. And uh, we... Uh, it's it's strictly volunteer work for for me and my wife Nancy, but yeah, we'll we'll start out uh, uh, in Florida in January, and the date uh, for next year hasn't been set yet. We're we're having our board meeting uh, sometime in November, and we'll have those dates posted uh, by uh, November. But we do an event in Florida. Uh, by Madeira Beach uh, in January and then again in April uh, and then it's Illinois uh, on the Fox chain uh, and then uh, Madison, Wisconsin uh, Minnesota we have three events in Minnesota we're adding a new event next year uh, to Minnesota up at Gull Lake by Brainerd area Excellent. and we we uh, wrap up uh, our last event 
in fact, our last event for this year is, is the 14th of October in Eagle River. Uh, I do have uh, uh, an ask uh, regarding Eagle River. We are short uh, folks with boats. Uh, we'd love to have, uh, you know, some folks come out and, you know, give give a few hours to get these heroes out on the water uh, down the 14th. And if they can do it, uh, go to www.takeofatfishing.org, uh, click on the Eagle River event, uh, and, uh, whatever you call button, and uh, register as a, a fishing guide. And, okay. uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's it's really a full-time gig uh, for for me and my wife. So yeah, and so how many boats are you looking for for October fourteenth for the Eagle River event? I you know I just got an email this morning and I I think we're probably short four boats. Okay, four uh, boats, and hopefully if anybody's uh, any listeners listening there, I will. Uh, uh, I'm sure you guys got that information out there. I will get it out there on. Um, on my uh, social media, on my Facebook, and my uh, Dave Cran's Living the Wild Outdoors and see if we can't help get you four boats for that. Um, I'll check my own schedule and see if see if there's any availability there. But, uh, uh, I, I, yeah, what, what you're doing and how you're volunteering and what people um, don't, don't understand that haven't got into a mode of volunteering to help, uh, whether it's veterans groups or conservation or kids groups, whatever the case may be, it becomes very addictive, doesn't it? Oh, it, it's, I, I, I'll give you a quick, uh, example. <clears throat> we have a, a family who lives in, uh, Southern Minnesota, uh, Tara and Jason Schmidt. And I have seen them, volunteering at every single event we've done uh, in the last six years, probably. Uh, the only events they don't attend or make are the Florida ones. And it's not just Tara and Jason, it's their 16-year-old daughter, Aubrey. And uh, it's every event. And I asked Tara, I said, I know it's a lot for you guys to, to do this. Cause I, you know, I, I do it. And she gave me the, the greatest response. She goes, until you do it. And unless you do it, uh, meaning volunteer, you, you don't get the full impact of what taking these veterans out on the water does. She goes, the first time we saw it, uh, we knew there's there was nothing else for us to do, uh, and I, I mean they just they're as regular take of it people as I am, and uh, it, it's incredible to see how some of these families have you know not just mom and dad but the kids as well uh, get to hear these stories that the veterans talk about and how they appreciate uh, what they've done for our country. Uh, that's, you know, 12 years I've been doing this and, you know, I, I don't know if it's out of stubbornness or, you know, uh, a, a deep love for these veterans. Uh, it's, I'll always do it. Um, 
love what I see when I get these folks out. Uh, It's a lot. It means a lot to them. Absolutely. And we all get to do the things we do with our families and as individuals because of these veterans. uh, These men and women are are, uh, why this country exists at the degree that it does, that we have the freedoms that we have. Uh, and anybody, you've got a Facebook page, they've got, um, but they can go to take a, if you type and tape a, take a vet, it's going to pop up. You can go to these, these locations on social media. You can probably uh, register. You can figure out how to donate. You can uh, contact. Uh, is that, is that, are there many ways to get to you guys? Yeah, there uh, there are several ways. Uh, you mentioned it, the, uh, the website at uh, takeabatfishing.org. Uh, you know, we're on Facebook. Uh, you know, if you want to kind of get into the nuts and bolts of things, uh, look me up on Facebook, Dave Van Dorn. Uh, that's V-A-N-D-O-O-R-N. And I... It's my Facebook page is dedicated to two things: take about fishing and uh, Special Olympics, which my daughter participates in quite a bit. But that being said, I I always try and keep everybody, you know, up to speed on what I'm doing, and 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 not only that, it's a great way for me to to do what I did here a couple minutes ago. We need guys. Uh, you know, uh, we're a non-for-profit. Uh, I can, you know, post things as, you know, we're having a fundraiser, that that type of stuff. Um, so, yeah, there are multiple ways to, to check out what we're doing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and if you, uh, I'm sure at some point that uh, if you're near one of these locations that Dave was talking about, whether it be Florida or Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, you can go there. Maybe you want to volunteer to help in another way. If you don't have a boat, you know, for next year, uh, get your name on the list to help there. there. You're probably always looking for extra people that want to help. Absolutely. And and uh, if you're in the area of any one of our events and you just want to stop and check and see what it's about, uh, come on by and, and uh, you know, look for any of the board members uh, or myself. And uh, we'll be happy to explain a, what we do and why we do it and, uh, you know, kind of give you the uh, 411 uh, while, we're, while we're performing our tasks. So. Excellent. Excellent. Takeavet.org if you want to uh, possibly participate, possibly donate, any of the, any of the above, uh, or check out Dave Van Dorn on his Facebook page. He is uh, one of the uh, most giving people I know in, in my circles. He volunteers for this. He has for years. And uh, definitely uh, appreciate everything you do. 160 days on the water for them. And we will be calling you for an update. And, and one more time, October 14th, looking for four boats for the Eagle River. If anybody has a boat and can take a veteran out and be a, a guide for the day or captain for the day, please get a hold of them at takeavet.org. That's for October 14th, correct? Yep, takeavetfishing.org. Excellent. Thank you, Dave Van Dorn. I appreciate it. It won't be the last time we talk to you. I uh, appreciate uh, you always coming on. Dave, uh, thank you so much for having us. I appreciate it as well. Oh, no problem. 
That was Dave Van Dorn from Take A Vet. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa, our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this weekly podcast is presented by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, this week's guest had a quite of a tournament at the Potomac River. Uh, we had weather there. There was a lot of lot of things going on. But Christian Greco, you did a great job, and uh, you won the tournament. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no problem. You know, there was uh, weather issues there, and there was. I heard a lot of things. I, for full disclosure, I also fished the, the tournament and. Um, Practice wasn't that wasn't that great for many of the guys that I know that were fishing it. How was the practice for you? No, yeah, practice was definitely tough. Um, I think I even had mentioned on my YouTube video that it was probably one of the tougher practices I'd ever had, if not the toughest practice. So I think in the three days of practice that I was actually out there, I practiced Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think I really only put two keeper fish in the boat and had maybe shook off uh maybe three to five fish so I, I knew that i knew going into the tournament that it was going to be a very very tough fight that you're going to really have to keep your head down and grind it out for the day yeah and i don't think anybody had it easy i think uh, that's the same theme that i heard from everybody that was there and um uh you know not getting a lot of bites in the tournament isn't always a bad thing if you can catch five is it Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd almost rather have it be a tough tournament like that to where you really have to put your head down and grind it out just because it's it becomes a really a high-risk, high-reward situation. If you can put yourself around the right quality of fish, um, then a lot of good things can happen. Absolutely. Walk us through day one. You had a, had a nice bag day one, and uh, uh, t- talk a little bit about day one. Yeah, so day one, um, I ended up deciding to go to a, a spot where I had gotten two bites in practice, I didn't set the hook on either of those bites, but they were both punching bites, and in my opinion, they felt like pretty decent fish. So um, I figured I would give that give that area a shot, kind of just see how things worked out. I had a few backup plans in mind, but really, like I said during practice, I mean, I really only had a handful of bites. So 
I was really going off of two to three areas where I knew there may have been a few fish, but I didn't really know how things were going to play out until until that tournament day started. So rolled up into my first area. I think I caught one. I caught one relatively quickly, maybe the first 10, 15 minutes punching. And then right after that, caught another one. So I uh, had, had a little bit of flurry. I don't know if it had to do with the, with the timing of the tide when I pulled up there or if I just happened to, to catch two right off the bat, just landed on them. But after those first two fish, gave me a little bit of confidence that, that there was fish in that area. Uh, I did go the next several hours, however, without catching another fish or getting another bite. So that, that kind of started to concern me a little bit. But just kept calm, kept cool, figured that when the tide would, would switch over, maybe I would get another little bite window. And I knew that, that on the Potomac with that tidal, that tidal river... Just from fishing there in the past, I've, I've fished two tournaments there in the past, um, so not a whole bunch of experience, but I do have a little bit of, of experience out there, and I just know that that a light switch can just flip over and, and you can get right in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, and you you, uh, you uh, live in Florida. Have you always been from Florida? I have, yeah. I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida, so uh, I'm very comfortable with flipping, punching, frogging, all that kind of stuff, all that, all that heavy cover stuff all that heavy cover stuff. So it was very, very comfortable being out on the Potomac. The only, the only little difference is that title, that title swing, which you kind of have to time out and pay attention to. So other than that, um, no, very comfortable with the flipping stick, punching stick. I feel like anytime there's, there's a solid flipping or punching bite that I'll probably be, I would like to think that I'd be in contention to walk away with the event. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, do, now this is the Northern division, uh, uh, with major league fishing, do you fish other divisions or do you fish other circuits down in Florida or do you, do you travel? What, what's... I do. Yeah. So I fish full time right now on the invitationals, which was formerly the pro circuit. Mm-hmm. I actually picked up a win last year on the pro circuit on the Harris channel lakes. And last year was my rookie year doing that. So we're in year two right now, fishing invitationals. And then this year, since I, I had some success last year, I decided to sign up for the Southern central and Northern division Toyotas just to expand my experiences, get some get some quality time on a lot of these bodies of water that we're going to go to year after year. So I had a really busy schedule this year, to say the least. Yeah, and the schedule came out for, for next year. Are you uh, excited about that? I am, yeah. So invitational schedule came out. Um, uh, I'd be lying if I wasn't a little disappointed that we didn't have a Florida tournament just <laughs> because I have a lot of experience in Florida, and I feel like, I feel like those are always going to be my best shot at, at taking home another win. But the, uh, the schedule is definitely interesting. I like a couple of the places we're going to. Some of them are going to be uh, a lot of new water for some of the guys. So one of my favorite things about fishing is, is showing up to a new lake and trying to figure it out and break it down and just see how you stack up against everybody else. So uh, as much as I'd love to go to a place that I have experience on, it's, it's always fun to go to new places. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it seems like many of the new places – uh, all the places are getting getting fished because they're to hold that many people, whether it's 150 or 250, they need bigger bodies of water so that the uh, anglers are not on top of each other. And, uh, uh, you know, that's that's part of the game, isn't it? Yep, 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 absolutely. And with, with all the social media out there and everything, there's, there's pretty much no body of water that you can't find some sort of information on. Absolutely, yeah. There's you can look up old tournament results. I mean, the week, uh, the weekend before our tournament was, you had a had a BFL there. So um, you know, there's there's information from that. There's information from local fishing reports, things like that. So you can always uh, find out something. So a uh, little bit about day two. Uh, 
weather changed a little bit. There was a storm off the coast. It was coming our way. Um, how did that affect what you were doing? Yeah, so let me finish up day one because I think I left off just on two fish. Okay. Uh, so with about two two hours left to go on day one, the tide switched. I believe it it began to go out, and that really seemed to to give me one more little bite window, and I was able to put three or four more fish in the boat, and ended up with the with the weight that I had, eighteen pounds. Um, and really, all of those fish came out of the same area. But um, going into day two, there was two other boats that were also fishing really the same match stretch that I was fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew those fish had gotten a lot of pressure. I went back to that to that original match stretch because I knew there was a group of fish, but I really didn't know if I was going to be able to rely on it for day two or if I was going to have to start expanding at that point. So day two comes along, I pull up um, on the match stretch that basically all my weight came off of on day one. Within about 20 minutes, I caught a 411 and... So I, that, that kind of clued me in that, yeah, there, there may still be some fish in this mat. I may still need to stick around this area. Yeah, absolutely. But the next, the next two hours go by, and, and I didn't get another bite. So that's when my brain started racking, uh, trying <laughs> to figure out, do I stay? Do I go? Um, is it a timing deal? Do I need to be here when the tide is moving again? What, what do I need to do here? So I, uh, at that point, I started kind of expanding on the area. Hitting, hitting a few more match stretches in that general location, but not exactly where I'd been fishing the day before. Ended up um, pulling up on a match stretch that I'd had one bite in practice on. So I figured, all right, well, maybe there's a group of fish here like there was in this other mat. Pulled up on that one. I caught two fish. My co-angler caught one fish. That uh, that kind of made a light bulb go off. Okay, maybe there's some fish in this match stretch. I really haven't seen anybody else fishing it, so maybe I need to come back when the tide when the tide's doing a little something different and kind of roll back through here and see if it positions the fish a little bit differently. So at that point in the day, I had about, I had three fish. They were all solid ones. I probably had 10, nine or 10 pounds on, on three fish. Yeah. Next two, next two hours or so goes by. Nothing, not a bite. Tried to expand a little bit more on the area. Nothing, nothing. Um, tide starts going back out again. I go back to that same match stretch where I'd caught those two fish and caught fish number four, another solid fish, puts me up to 12, 12 and a half pounds or so, and uh, go another two hours or so without a bite. So at this point in the day, it's uh, got about an hour left or so, and I have four fish in the box, all solid ones, but I knew that I needed one more, and I, uh, I kind of had a feeling that day three was iffy as far as the weather system that we had coming in, so... I really felt like if I if I retook the lead on day two that I would really have a solid shot going into day three, whether it got canceled or not. I just wanted to have as much weight as possible because I really didn't know what was going to happen. Yep. So about an hour left in the tournament, I ended up leaving that general area, running back over towards the ramp. And I had two spots that I wanted to hit that I felt like I could maybe catch one fish off of. And I really didn't care if it was a 12-incher or a 5-pounder. I just felt like one more fish would go a long way for me at that point. Absolutely. So first first area that I went into, I was really confident that I'd catch one. I didn't catch one. Fished that for about 45 minutes. So we're really down to crunch time now. I had 10, 15 minutes maybe at the most to, to head back to the ramp. I, I decided to pull up on a match stretch where I had one bite in practice. That was pretty close to the ramp. Pulled up on it. 10 minutes to go pretty much with inside of the ramp so i knew i could kind of push my time there and i uh slipped in the mat felt some weight set the hook got a three pounder to the boat and that was fish number five we had uh, 
with just minutes to go. That and that is yeah. a, that is a great story. And a half yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I've got to go to a commercial break quickly here, and we'll come back. And I want to hear about your sponsors. I want to hear about uh, the, the day three and the uh, ultimate win. And uh, we'll we'll come back with more Christian Greco. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. The We Fish ASA podcast is back. I am Dave Kranz. More Christian Greco. We we ended up with uh, you flipping that three pounder into the boat at the end of day two. Um, did you think at that point that you had enough weight? I did. I did. So. I had, uh, I had about a one-pound lead over second place at that point, and then maybe two or three pounds over the next couple of guys. So I figured if I could get to that 15-pound mark, I mean, they would really have to catch them good on day two. And with, with the conditions, with all the fishing pressure, I knew that, that catching a big bag on day two was going to be a lot, really difficult for a lot of guys. And even when the Potomac's fishing good, I've seen, I've seen how those weights can really drop off on day two. So I figured right at that 15-pound mark, I was, I was kind of thinking 14 in my head. If I could get over 14, that, that the guys behind me would have a really tough time um, overtaking me, essentially. And, and I, I, I knew in the back of my mind that there was a really good possibility that day three was not going to happen. So I just wanted to make sure I was in the driver's seat at that point. Yeah, the weather forecast uh, looked like that. And then uh, uh, were you surprised that they didn't actually, I mean, it, it looked like there was no way that that weather system wasn't coming through there. And with gusts over 40 uh, predicted, um, were you surprised that they didn't cancel it the night before? I was. I was a little surprised. I figured that with the forecast coming in, and it looked pretty pretty solid that that storm was coming in overnight and was going to be going to be straight over the river, basically on what would have been day three of competition. I thought that maybe they would have canceled it, but um, you know, Mark Mark made the decision that he wanted to show up to the ramp the next morning and make sure that he was making the right decision as far as sending us or not sending us, and. Uh, you know, he's the tournament director. He ultimately has the final call on things, and he ended up going over to the ramp Friday morning or uh, Saturday morning, excuse me, and saw that the conditions were exactly what they were forecasting and ended up calling the tournament at that point. But after day two weigh-in, I was, 
I was fairly confident that I had gotten the job done, that the tournament was over. But of course, until the until the final call comes in, you really don't know. No, no, you don't know at all. And uh, that you won over forty thousand dollars. Congratulations! I think that's awesome. Uh, we don't want to let this get away. Uh, who keeps you on the water, Christian? Yeah, I've I've been very blessed over these past two years, uh, as many of the viewers probably know, and you know well, Dave. It's it's nearly impossible to get out there on the water and fish these tournaments without a good support system. So I've got a bunch of incredible sponsors that help keep me out on the water, that that get me out there competing in all of these tournaments. So. I just want to give a huge shout out to them. 13 Fishing has been on board with me since I decided to make this jump into the pro fishing career. Uh, they've been great friends, great sponsors to me. Uh, Guggen Baits, I actually won the tournament flipping a Guggen Baits Bandito bug. The last major tournament I won, which was the pro circuit on the Harris chain, I won that flipping one of the new punches. Uh, so two major wins on Guggen Baits. So very thankful for the relationship I have with them. Yeah. Smith Optics is, a, is another big one for me, the sunglasses brand got a bunch of the smith optics my personal favorites the riptide it's the stylish uh kind of stylish more so than fishing glasses but i think it looks i think it looks good on me and they've got the polarized lenses on them so really happy with them and everything smith's done for me i've got i've got a whole list of other sponsors that i could go through i mean power pole monster marine lithium sniper skin catch commander boat outfitters Another another big one that I'm very glad to be a part of that I just joined up with this year is Epic Baits, Epic Tungsten. So mm-hmm. I was flipping the one at 1.5 ounce Epic Tungsten flipping weight. And uh, another little key thing, I did actually catch one fish on a frog. So I, I weighed nine fish in, punching one fish in on a frog. But that one fish was almost a four-pounder. So when you're talking about these razor-thin margins that we had on the Potomac, a four-pounder is a huge deal. And uh, in that frog, I'd actually put two tungsten bead weights in there. So Epic has these tungsten beads that you can use as a Carolina rig clacker that you can use as just a little extra weight on your bait. Uh, there's a bunch of different uses for them. So I actually put two of those beads in the frog just to weigh it down a little bit. I could get a longer cast. That frog will leave a bigger trail through the mat. And then those two beads clacking together makes a little bit of noise. So the other two guys that were actually fishing my area, they were hitting it very hard with a frog. Um, I did want to cover a little bit of water with a frog to keep it honest, caught a four pounder. So that was a little key that I did there for my frog, but those are all the companies that keep me out there. And, uh, like I said, very thankful for all of them, all their support. It's pretty much impossible to do what I do without them. Absolutely. And you got a good list of sponsors there and and I know you work very hard for them. And for those young, uh, people that are out there, uh, collegiate and high school students, uh, it's not uh, catching fish that gets you on pro staffs or keeps you on pro staff. It's product knowledge, selling product for these companies. Don't don't show them your phone with the photos of the fish. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I have college and, and high school and even junior anglers message me all the time or at events and stuff. They'll come up to me asking, "How do I how do I get sponsors? How do I make the next step in this fishing world?" And you hit the nail on the head. I mean. Obviously, catching fish is a big part of it. You have to be good at fishing to make it up to the professional level. But when it comes to the business side of things, there's got to be something that you can offer these sponsors. Um, in my case, I've, I've been able to grow a, a decent-sized YouTube channel. I'm very active on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. And uh, I do weekly videos on YouTube. I, I document all of my tournaments. So the past three years, kind of working my way up into the professional leagues, it's all been documented on YouTube. I've, I've been able to create a, a pretty decent fan base. I've got a lot of loyal fans. I'm super appreciative of that. Um, but that's kind of what I'm able to leverage as far as 
as getting new sponsors. They at the end of the day, they they love it if you win a tournament, but that's really not what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody that will use their product, that will promote their product, that um, yeah, that they're gonna have product knowledge. That way, when when you are suggesting rods, reels, baits, stuff like that, and somebody wants a trusted source, they would they would hope that they would go to you, and then in turn you would recommend the product. But on that same note, you want to make sure that you align with companies that you truly believe in. Um, because you don't want to be you don't want to be promoting a product to somebody that you don't even use or that you don't have faith in. So it kind of goes both ways on that deal. Yeah, absolutely. You have a passion for what you're using and you believe in it, and that's uh, that's absolutely what you want to do. Next next year's schedule, Potomac River is first. It's in June, it is. and it is. is that exciting that you'll be back there in nine months? It is, it is. So, I mean, I would, I would almost rather it be later in the year again because I feel like that's going to be my best shot at, at pulling off another win. But yeah. it's going to be fishing a lot better in June. So there's going to be a lot more fish being caught. Uh, the weights are probably going to be a little bit better. So it's going to be a fun event. It's not going to be near as, as, as much of a grind as this one was. No, no. And, and so much of this fishing game is mental. And I think that one was a grind and it was was tough. Um, but, yeah, it... it uh, it's always always fun, but you're driving from Florida. That's quite a quite a travel, isn't it, to go up to the Potomac? It is. It is. Yeah. So it takes me about 14 hours, give or take, to get up there. Um, for basically 14 hours, and then you kind of never know once you're going through that Virginia Maryland area, through the Beltway and all that kind of stuff, getting into Baltimore DC. That's that's always a hit or miss as far as where you're going to run into traffic. But on a good day, I can make it up there in about 14 hours. Yeah, and a little farther to the uh, uh, Lake Champlain and Thousand Islands. and uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, those are all 20-plus hour drives for me. So Potomac is basically at my limit as far as what I can do in one day of driving. Once we get up to St. Lawrence, Champlain, stuff like that, it, it's it takes me about two days to get up there. I, I can't do that on one drive. No, it, yeah, with drive, driving a, a big truck and uh, dragging a, a a big boat, you're you you're better off to be safe and uh, uh, take the extra time. And 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 I agree. I, I totally uh, think that's a good move. Christian Greco, I, I know this won't be the last time you'll be on here. We're going to be watching you, and we're going to uh, have you back on uh, when you win again. And appreciate uh, all the great information, and congratulations on your win. Yeah, thank you, Dave. I also just wanted to add that I do have the tournament video uploaded on my YouTube channel. If you just search my name, Christian Greco, uh, that, that YouTube will come up. I've got day one and day two, so two separate videos. Um, but got all the fish catches in there, basically a breakdown of what I was doing throughout the tournament. So if you guys want to check that out, like I said, just look up my name. It should be one of the first videos that pops up. And then I've got a list of over 200 videos from all the tournaments I've been fishing these past three years. You can check out my Harris Chain win from the Pro Circuit. Uh, you can go back and look at the, the year that I fished the Toyota Series to qualify for the Pro Circuit. So got all kinds of videos on there if you guys want to check them out. And I'm also very active on Instagram, Facebook, again. Just search my name, Christian Greco, and it should come right up. Excellent, excellent. Thanks again for being on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Dave. It was a pleasure. Oh, no problem. That was Christian Greco. I am Dave Kranz. The We Fish ASA podcast comes to you weekly and is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth in Daiwa. They've got your bass covered. I'd also like to thank my guest for another great episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Dan Johnston, we talked about careers in the outdoors. Great as always, Dan. Dave Van Dorn, thanks for 
update on takeavet.org. Appreciate that. And we just finished up with Christian Greco, Potomac River winner. Congratulations again. I'm looking forward to next week when we can bring you another great episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I am Dave Kranz. See you next week. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it.